0: Give God the praise! Give God the praise! Hallelujah! 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 I'm so thankful for the move of God and for what He's doing, and I'm, I'm, you know, Bishop is I have I admire him greatly uh, for many many reasons. The revivalist he is the. Uh, the apostle, the bishop, the papa, the, all those things, all those titles, all the things that I hear you call him and and speak of him. And I'm in, I'm in, uh, I, this is my um, assignment until God says otherwise. Um, and I've, you know, called the other pastors and the other churches and they, and you know what? Everyone said, to, you know what? You got to just, you got to be there. You got to be a part of that. And. But God birthed in me back in June. I was sitting in a firework tent. You'd be seated. I'm sorry. I got you standing. Um, so I was like, ooh, that's a miracle right there. Um, I was in a firework tent. My my, my uh, Gina's family has a firework tent that they run. And I was standing in the tent and I was looking around. And I said, I wonder if I could get one of these and have an old fashioned tent revival. I've never, now here's the deal you, you know me enough to know that I like some old fashioned Pentecostal church. Um, I like that organ. I know the Bible says that there's a trump that will sound the trump of the Lord. You know, I don't know that. I mean, that's what the author's interpretation. There might be a Hammond up there and just, you know, the author thought it was a trump, but it was really, you know, anyways, Um, but. I grew up, you know, in the Spirit-filled church. I've never personally been in a tent revival, but I had faith for one. And my faith at the beginning was to have a tent for about 200 people. And then uh, we put a little registration link out to see if anybody would come. Well, for the last three nights, we've had over a 1,000 people in a tent in Nashville, Tennessee. We've had over 120,000 people tuning in every night. Last night we water baptized twenty three people. We've had hundreds healed, touched, delivered, set free, baptized in the Holy Ghost. And there's a quick video that I want them to show you in just in just a moment. But um, God's doing some supernatural stuff. Friday night, I was I prayed for the sick the way I've always prayed for the sick. And when I call, I called on the the only thing that was different was I, I mean. It, we get into routines of the way we do things and I, I got a way that I speak the word of faith that I've done for 20 years. The only difference, is, difference, for some reason on Friday, I called and I said, all power that's in heaven, fill this tent. And when I said that, I got knocked out. That's the last thing I remember. I went flying backwards. I had to drop the mic. And I found out later from the the production team, you know, we had to hire sound and lights and video and all that stuff. Somebody at the soundboard, they're not necessarily, you know, they produce all kinds of different shows. You know, all, all the alphabets of Christianity are there. All the letters of the alphabet. S-B-C-C-O-G-A-O-G and we're all there for G-O-D. But anyhow, so we're all the, all the... So there's some people there that all of this is new. They don't even know what to do with it. So I heard that when I fell out was knocked out by the glory of god i was laying there when i fell out of course you know the mic went rolling and somebody said to one of the production guys go grab the mic and the guy said "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh nope he said i was raised in this i know what that is if i go get the mic i'ma fall out and be up there laying on the platform with him (laughs) Gloria, it was strong it was strong and then last night we called for baptism and my daughter now I'm going to qualify it. My three children, my three blood children, biological, biological children, all three of them were water baptized at their mom's funeral. Uh, God had moved on my oldest son at that time to get water baptized. And he convinced his sister and his little brother that they needed to get water baptized. And at their funeral, at her funeral, we baptized all three of my children. But last night under the tent, I looked over at my daughter. She's just bawling her eyes out. And she came, she said, daddy, would it be okay if I get baptized just feel like i need i'm like baby let's go right now let's go right now and i took my daughter and i baptized her last night and and she said and and back at the hotel she said daddy i got baptized for two reasons tonight number one i wanted you to baptize me uh because her my her grandpa my my father-in-law baptized her at the funeral she said i wanted you to baptize me and number two she said when i got baptized the first time It was really emotional, and I did it because Cole, you know, really, you know, told us we needed to do it. And she goes, but you know, it was a really sad moment. She said, Daddy, tonight wasn't sad. Tonight was a really happy moment. Hallelujah. I'm just so thankful for what God's done for my kids. I want, I I just feel like I need to tell someone tonight, "I, I don't care when you were baptized. If you need a fresh dip in the water, you might as well come swimming with us this week in Jesus' name. Because there's something stirring in the water right now. Look at that revival sign. It looks like water to me right there. There's something in the water. We're baptizing every day. If you haven't been baptized or it's been a long time talk to Pastor Steve, talk to whoever you need to talk to and get baptized. Brother, let's just roll that tape and just give him a 40-second preview or or, or testimony of what God's done under his tent in Nashville. For The American church will now see that the fire never died. You just needed to fan the flame a little bit. And I, the Lord, say, don't pray for revival Have revival. Don't look for revival for I the Lord have spoken this the enemy meant as a curse is going to be the greatest blessing perhaps in this decade and maybe this century God is going to cause the setback to be a setup. what the enemy meant for bad is going to catapult the church because we finally are coming together hallelujah would you stand with me one more time in this house? One of our friends that was leading worship when I got knocked out on Friday, she said, Tony, she was texting with me this morning. She said, Tony, that glory cloud was real. I said, What glory cloud? She's like, Oh, that's right. You were drunk. I never saw it, but they said that Friday night, a glory cloud wasn't lights wasn't smoke a glory cloud descended and filled that tent (sighs) jesus do it again in houston do it in this revival send the fire send the wind send the cloud (laughs) hallelujah the book of matthew chapter 24 verse 14 i have to deliver this word to you it is burning in my spirit I'm challenging you today. I'm speaking to what you already are and what you are to be. And it's because there are more nations for you to reach, Inspire Church. I felt so strong in my spirit that I'm supposed to speak to you that with as many places as you've already reached, the Lord says there's more The Lord says, I'm going to expand your horizons. And I even just felt quickened in my spirit. The Lord would even say, I'll give you another continent, says the spirit of the Lord. But the Lord is expanding your reach. The Lord is expanding you into new countries. And the confirmation of what I have to preach today was actually when Bishop was up here and he said, I love pastoring this church, but I I love raising up leaders there is a global revival inside of Inspired Church, and and even and I think I spoke this a few weeks ago, or at some point, I feel like I spoke it here. But wherever, whenever you plant the seed, you get th- that's what your harvest is. And you've planted seed all over the world, but the Lord would remind you, your harvest isn't just over there because the seed came from here. And the Lord says, I'll cause an international harvest to happen right here because the seed came from here. So if you want to know what you're growing, look at your seed. I just heard the Philippines in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as God expands you into Asia and further into Africa, just look at the seed of the house and you'll know the harvest that the Lord is giving to you. I feel a strong unction, a strong apostolic authority to preach today. 24 14 says and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world for a witness unto all nations And then the end shall come Father anoint me to deliver this word as I must Confirm it with signs miracles and wonders today Let there be mighty confirmation from heaven and may we never be the same in Jesus mighty name You could be seated in the presence of the Lord Now you know how I like to preach you know I like to hoop and holler, and you know I like that organ and E flat, and you know I like to dance, even though I can't dance. That might not be the way today goes, but today might be the most important service that I've preached to you today, in, in this revival, because of the commissioning and the apostolic mandate. That, you're, that it, we're, All we're doing is stirring the flame. We're fanning the flame. I gave that prophetic word last week. I told you I was going to give it here first, and I went to Nashville. Here's the continuation of that. Like most kids, I was raised that were raised in the baby boomer generation or in generation X, that's my generation. I spent most Sunday nights under the pew. There's a subculture in Pentecost that's life under the pew on Sunday nights. That's where we would go to sleep while our parents were having church and we would race Hot Wheels and we would color and we would we would we would write notes and chuck it under the pew while our while our parents are in the middle of a we like we could time it. Some of y'all in prison know, I'm not talking, you know, when you, not now, but you, you know, when the guard would look and you, I watched enough to know, uh, we would wait till they were in the middle of their shout. And when they're in the middle of their hallelujah, you could chuck a note under the pews to your girlfriend. Hey. We had our own subculture and you'd eventually fall asleep under the pew, but there was these melodic hymns and fiery preaching that would fill the air. And for a kid like me, as engaged as I was with life under the pew, the sound of that singing and that preaching is what I have the most vivid memories of because it would capture my heart. Those words would get into my spirit. And I remember one particular watch night service. A man was preaching for my dad and I wanted to stay awake the entire watch night service used to, you know, was all night. And I wanted to stay awake till the end because I wanted to watch foot washing. I had never seen it. I was like six years old and I really wanted to see foot washing service. And I remember I I eventually fell asleep. But I fell asleep to that preacher preaching with a booming voice. He's of German descent. And he said, "The the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail. I'm now going to be 40 years old next in two weeks. And I have found those words to be precisely true. Because the church of which Jesus Christ is both the chief cornerstone and the foundation, the door and the path has stood the test of time. Hell has tried to rise up against us. Hell has tried to destroy this church. But this church stands as a testament to the truth. That what God promises, God always fulfills. There have been countless attempts to delegitimize our influence, kill our progress, and stamp out our identity. But the gates of hell have not prevailed. Is there a price to pay? Oh, absolutely. From missionaries that have laid down their lives for the sake of the gospel to modern day martyrs that are being killed at the hands of extremists, enamored with a false hope of eradicating Christianity from the world. The price paid by these heroes of our faith has been great, but they counted it all worthy for the cause of Jesus Christ. There are so many stories I could tell you. For example, that of the Elliott family that, that went to Ecuador in 1956. They go to Ecuador to preach Jesus to indigenous tribes that don't even know that there is a world outside of the jungle. And these missionaries, these five missionaries are viciously killed And as someone who has experienced extreme loss in my family, I tell you right now, no one would have faulted the widows and the children if they would have gotten bitter at God and just come home from the mission field. But the but those widows stayed in Ecuador. The children stayed in Ecuador. I'm talking about Nate Saint, Jim Elliott, Pete Fleming, Ed McCauley, and Roger Yordian, I believe is how you pronounce the name. They could have gotten bitter, but they said we were called to these jungles. We were called to this country. And they continued preaching and making Jesus famous. And they eventually led the same indigenous tribe that killed their fathers. They led, they led those same indigenous warriors to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and the entire indigenous tribe was saved and said, Jesus is our Lord and savior. They found Jim Elliot's personal journal and one of his last entries read the following Luke nine and 24 for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my, for my sake, the same shall save it. And he followed that by writing. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's make sure we put that up in the second service. I want to say it again so it gets in your spirit. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Nate's wife and children, they kept preaching. They kept sharing Jesus. And the same warrior that threw the spear that killed their father, they led that same warrior to salvation in Jesus Christ. Hell should have won the battle in the Amazons. Hell should have won, but the gates of hell didn't prevail. Because even in the midst of murder, deceit, grief, and sorrow, the promise is still true, the gates of hell will not prevail. I've told you the stories of my family in Colombia. I've told you about them poisoning my my. My grandparents, water well, trying to kill our family. I've told you about my dad. My dad was a mighty man. I miss my dad so much. He went, died and went to be with the Lord five years ago. My dad was a strong preacher. My dad was a mighty preacher. He talks about being in a city, and he was preaching the gospel. He had a guitar, and he was singing to draw a crowd, and then once he had a crowd, he'd preach the gospel. But a government-sanctioned gang that was commissioned to kill in Colombia, what they called the Alleluyas came and threw stones and rocks at my dad and they left him bloody and unconscious on the street corner in Bucaramanga. And I said, dad, what did you do? Did you sue him? He goes, no, I didn't sue him. I said, what'd you do? He said, I got up and I dusted myself off and I found my guitar and I found my Bible and I kept singing about Jesus and I kept preaching about Jesus. He said, Tony, that's what we do in our family. We sing about Jesus and we preach about Jesus. And he said, I baptize some of those same people because that's what we do because the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Somebody give God praise. There's many stories. There's not enough time to tell the stories. You could sit here for weeks and just listen to Bishop tell the stories of the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the salvations of what God has done in his ministry and corporately through all of you and your admissions efforts. There's stories I could tell you about that time my dad and my uncle told me about the witch doctors that came to curse my dad and curse my uncle to stop them from preaching in a city. My uncle told me the story when I was a young kid. They sang their chants and they tried to silence my uncle and my dad from preaching. They're doing all of their incantations, but my uncle Alfonso raised his voice and he said, in the name of Jesus, don't move. And they didn't move. They sat frozen like statues while my uncle and my daddy walked through that town preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my uncle said when they left it, they, when they left this when they, oh man, I'm getting tongue twisted right now. When they left the city, they said, okay, now you can move. And they walked out and they dusted the feet off of the, the they, they, I'm getting drunk. They dusted, they, you know what I mean? They got the dirt off of their feet. Now I heard that story I heard that story told as a kid But some of that sounds crazy Some of that sounds far-fetched But I was preaching in Fort Lauderdale in 2001 When a revival broke out I was supposed to preach on a Sunday And then we had Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday And Thursday and Friday And in the middle of that revival We were laying hands You could hardly preach You could hardly do anything We are just praying for the sick and, and and an older Hispanic lady came up to the front She said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, and you know, people are worshiping. They can't hear her. She says, I am a witch. I'm here to stop this revival. She said, but I can't stop it. She said, my friend is back there. We're both witches, but she's frozen and she can't move. And she said, I'm here to ask you a favor. Let us go and we won't do anything else. We'll just walk out and we'll, we'll just leave it alone. I said, you got to wait a few more minutes. And we kept laying hands and I walked back there and I asked her I said, I said, is it true? And that lady was frozen. She just moved her lips. She said, please let me go. I promise I won't do anything else. I said, go and don't come back. They went running out that back door. My eyes saw what my dad saw ago ago in Colombia, and I want Inspire Church to know, I know that might sound far-fetched to you, but that same authority, that same power resides on the inside of you, that's why the devils of hell haven't been able to snatch your children away, that's why drugs and alcohol and rebellion and narcissism and communism and oppression haven't been able to take your children because when those demonic spirits came to attack your family, they came and with the blood of Jesus. the Lord let me see with my eyes, but it's happening in the supernatural and you're not even aware of it. There are times when demons and demonic forces, oh man I feel the Holy Ghost. They come to try to bring, uh, they try to come and ravage your family. But the mighty angel of the Lord says, you stand still and you don't touch them because the name of Jesus, the Jesus is over. There are angels that are fighting on your behalf because the gates of hell cannot prevail. (sighs) Similar stories can be told from each nation where the gospel has been preached from the deserts and deserts and jungles of Africa to the mountains of Asia underground in China and hiding in caves in the Middle East the church has persevered decades of communism haven't been able to stop the gospel from spreading in China thousands of years of battle against christianity could not detain the gospel from spreading in what they call the islamic regions but i prophesy they'll be the christian regions and i suspect i suspect When the door to North Korea is open Gina knows I didn't say, you know, we love it What I'm about to share But she knows because it's been in my heart As soon as the door to North Korea opens And we can go I'm going to North Korea I'm going to preach the gospel I don't know why that nation is so On me But as soon as that door's open, I'm going. And I don't think it's going to be that much longer before we can go. But when we get into North Korea, Bishop, we're going to find a remnant. And the Lord told me it's not a little remnant. It's not a fragment. It's not crumbs. We're going to find a mighty remnant that has stood the test of time. And they're going to say, yes, we have been persecuted. Yes, we have suffered much. But they won't complain. They'll say, we did it all for the glory of Jesus Christ. According to doomsday prophets, there shouldn't even be a church today. Five missionaries went into China in 1970 to see if there was any Christians left. And they came out and they said, there's not one. Can't find even one. Do you know how many Christians are in China today? Tens of millions. Some people estimate 80, 90, 100 million Christians. Because communism can't stop the gospel. Government oppression can't stop the gospel. It didn't work for Herod. It didn't work for Caesar. It surely didn't work for Pharaoh. Why would it work now when it's already stated the gates of hell will not prevail? So how does the church stand? I know this is a little bit of a different message for me, church. But this is burning so greatly in my heart. I got to share it with you. How is it that the church stands with all the criticism, all the attacks, all the division, and the schisms, and the schisms, and the relativism? How does it stand? It's because what we're built on. If we were built on philosophy, we'd crumble like the Greek empire. If we were built on merely politics, we'd crumble like the Roman empire. If we were a bunch of violent savages, we would be extinct like the Vikings. But we're not built on those things. We're built on a different foundation. It's unmovable, incorruptible, unchangeable. And this foundation has a name. It's the chief cornerstone. It's the stone that the builders rejected. It's the name of Jesus. And upon Jesus Christ, upon that solid rock, I stand. All other is sinking. Stand. But here's the last... 20 minutes, 15, 17 minutes of my clothes and I will be done, I promise. As much as I celebrate his keeping power and that the gates of hell have not prevailed against the church, I am desperately aware and convicted that after thousands and thousands of years of preaching, hundreds and hundreds of denominations, today, 3,000 language groups don't have a Bible in their language they've never heard that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him would not perish but have everlasting life. I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching to that camera. May God forgive us for the hours upon hours upon hours that we have wasted arguing the Bible He didn't give me the Bible to argue. He gave me the Bible to preach. And I made a decision two years ago. I will not argue the Bible with another believer. I'll share what God shows me. You share with me what God shows you. But I'm not going to argue the Bible with someone that's already had an opportunity to get the blood of Jesus. When there's tens of millions of people that have never had one chance. I won't argue. I won't debate. That's not what this is about. The Great Commission was Call ye into all the world preach the gospel make disciples Baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy o-. that's what we're supposed to do not fight not argue We're supposed to preach Jesus You've heard me say this before I'm not an ardent student of eschatology. That's fancy words for saying I don't know when Jesus is coming. But I think it's soon. And I think the angels have looked over the balcony of heaven and said, Oh, we're coming now. It's jacked up down there. I think Gabriel has emptied the spit valve and got ready to... And the mercy hand of the Lamb of God cups the bell of the trumpet and says, Not yet. Because I already stated in my word, when this gospel is preached to every nation. When everyone gets the chance to hear the name of Jesus, then the end will come. Do you know what the only thing I believe between us and the second coming of Jesus Christ is you and I Preaching this gospel to the ends of the earth. You know what COVID did? COVID did this whole season that was supposed to destroy us. It made us reinvent ourselves. And the prince, you know what we did? He's, they call him the Prince of the Air. We overtook the airwaves. Hallelujah! We overtook the airwaves. The gospels being preached on every medium: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Vimeo, YouTube. We. I know you know you know what I you know what God put in my spirit yesterday I said and it's kind of funny God invented Facebook not Mark Zuckerberg God invented Facebook. God put in Mark Zuckerberg the ingenuity the wisdom to think up social media and you say yeah but there's a lot of junk are you blaming God for the junk no but my bible does say that what the enemy meant for evil God will use it for good and God said I'm going to take the junk I'm going to take the mess and I'm going to build it up till everyone in the world has it and then I'm going to take that messy platform and I'm going to have Jesus Christ and him crucified preached for free on that platform so that everyone would know. I'm almost done. Pastor Sam Rodriguez captured what I'm trying to say when he said the church is waiting for Jesus to come down. But Jesus is waiting for the church to rise up. Rise up and preach, rise up and prophesy, rise up and make disciples because that's the mandate that consumes us. I don't know any spirit filled church that I couldn't walk into this morning and, and, you know, quote all the cliche verses, verses. And you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed, I could do any of those verses. And I could provoke a response. Especially if I say it in E flat. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. If they drink anything, I I could do it. And it'd make you shout. But I came to this realization the verses were never written to make me shout. They weren't. Written to cause this emotional, now it's okay to do that. I mean, I get emotional, but that's not the direct purpose. The direct purpose was to let me know what's at my disposal to grow the kingdom of God. Not to just sing about it in the choir, but to let me know I have resurrection power on the inside of me. I can rebuke devils if they try to rise up. I can, I can speak to the wind and the wind will cease. I can tell the mountain you can be removed. I have power on the inside of me. And those verses, while they inspire, they convict because they leave us with no excuse. I can't stand before God and say, well, see, I was going to pray for the sick, but I didn't know if you'd use me like that. Because the Bible says, these signs shall follow them that, yeah. I don't like to criticize the church. I think it gets, you know, a lot of people, the problem with the church, the problem with the church. I know, we know all the problems. But if there's one thing I've noticed about the church that we need, and and I think we're doing better, is that we chase signs. We hear, there's revival chasers. You've heard about storm chasers? There's revival chasers. Oh, revival. Oh, the prophet is over there. Ooh, the apostle's over there. Ooh, there's oil there. Oh, there's gold dust here. And we're, oh, they all get healed here. And we're chasing and, 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 hey, look, I love revival too. But the Bible says that you're not supposed to be following signs. Signs are supposed to be following you. You should be walking and there ought to be gold and oil and fire and healing and miracles and salvation and discipleship. And the enemy ought to be rebuked and buffeted and destroyed. There ought to be some, what's following you, inspired church? You know what's following you? A revival in Africa, revival in Asia, revival in the Middle East. That's how I know I'm in a true church of the living God because there's signs following you. There's healing, there's deliverance. There's water about to, that's how I know that we're in the perfect will of God. I'm convicted about what's on the inside of me. So what am I doing with that? I'll be done in seven minutes. A man once told me I was in a secular junior college and, uh, I was kind of lazy, so I I I went to secular college, but I signed up for all the religious classes. And I'm in Intro to the New Testament. I'm like, I don't even have to show up. Then I got a D. Anyhow, the professor was actually one of the people that helped write or interpret the New Living Translation Bible. Wonderful man, and he was older by the time he was my professor and. He's kind of funny the way he'd talk. He'd walk up to you, and and he walked up to me one day in the class and he goes, Tony, you are a missionary. And like, I think I'm getting a prophetic word. Like, I'm like, where's the catchers? I think I, where's, where's my modesty cloth? Because I'm about to go. You are a missionary. And I said, Where? He said, look down. I said, what does that mean? He said, wherever your two feet touch, that's where you're called there's someone here has been saying i'm struggling i'm trying to understand what the will of god is for my life trying to understand what my calling is look down wherever your two feet touch you are commissioned today by the holy ghost to be a witness of the transforming life changing power of the lord jesus christ when you go to school you're a missionary when you're at the office you're a missionary when you walk home you're a man mi- wherever you go you are the visible image of the invisible god I close with this. Salvation was so expensive. So expensive to God. But he thought you were worth it. Musicians come. The price of a soul was the blood of the spotless lamb of God. It cost God everything. So that none would perish. Perish. I used to sell cars in Chicago. Don't make fun of me. Hey, I'm Tony. You want to buy a car? I sold cars for like three years on a car lot. And people come to trade in their car and they get so offended when the manager would offer them, you know. Everyone gets offended. They're like, oh, it's worth so much more. My daughter was born in that car. My grandfather used to Drive this car. I park it in a garage. I go to so-and-so car wash. And my manager would be like, okay, well, I could add like another $100 maybe. I mean, if your daughter was born in the car, I guess. it was Maybe take a picture of it. Because everybody had an idea what their stuff is worth. It's worth this much. But what I discovered is that the true, I mean, you could put a price on it but the true price is what someone is willing to pay put that put that <laughs> put that stuff on eBay and let's see what it's really worth that old tin can i bought i bought one of those you know they they changed the land of lakes butter packages because they say it's offensive to you know so they took the indigenous woman offered of the land of lakes, whatever. I went to the grocery store and I bought one of the packages while she's still on there. Cause I'm like, I'm gonna put that thing on eBay. Yeah, 25 cents later. I had an idea. I thought, oh, it's gonna be worth a lot, but it's true value is what someone is worth. is what somebody says, I'll pay. Well, when the father looked through eternity And he saw your rebellion and my rebellion. He saw our sins and he knew that we would backslide and walk away and be rebellious. Knowing our failing and our shortcoming. When he had to decide what price he would pay, he said, they're worth my very best. They're worth the blood of my son." He didn't tie to he didn't try to talk the price down. He didn't try to get a deal He didn't ask for the brother-in-law discount. He could have killed a demon. He could have put an angel He said no, I'm gonna send my only begotten son because they are worth my very best That's how much you mean to God Stand with me in this house if you would I closed this morning This is why we do everything we do, ladies and gentlemen. Not to sound cliche-ish, but it's why we turn the lights on. I want to finish this morning reading to you a passage from a book called Titanic's Last Hero. It goes like this, it was a splendid ship. Everything a ship designer could imagine was built into it. Beautiful, magnificent the titanic not only was it the biggest it was sleek fast absolutely unsinkable did not the designers guarantee it every proven safety feature and several new ones went into construction it slid out of the sea from liverpool england on a serene april morning gleaming against the sky it was the sky it was majestic the pride of britannia rode out to sea new york was its next harbor the notables of society were its passengers and they basked in the splendor of its luxury three quarters into its maiden voyage on the fringe of newfoundland's frigid banks the titanic became a catastrophic nightmare within two hours before the dawn of april 15th the unsinkable titanic plunged to its death Four miles below the icy surface taking with it 1500 passengers and most of the crew but there was a man put his picture on the screen if you don't mind there was a man on the boat named john harper the next picture please touch oh my god that's powerful john harper was born to solid christian parents on the last Sunday of March, 1886, when he was 13 years old, he received Jesus as the Lord of his life. He never knew what it was like to sow his wild oats, and he began to preach about four years later at the ripe old age of 17 by going down the streets of his village and pouring out his soul in earnest and in, 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 in earnest desire for men to be reconciled to God. And as John Harper's life unfolded, one thing was apparent, he was consumed by the word of God. And... They would challenge him. I like what I'm about to tell you so much. I changed the what we believe section on our website, on our ministry website after I read this. Because they would come and challenge John Harper all the time, Bishop. What do you believe, Brother Harper? What do you preach? What's your doctrinal statement? And John replied when they asked him, what does your doctrine consist of? He said, the word of God. What do you preach about? Jesus. I changed the doctrinal statement on my website because I won't argue. I won't get into it. What do you preach? I preach the Bible. Who are you preaching about? I'm preaching about Jesus. That's what John Harper did. All right. I got to finish this quickly. I'm so sorry. On the night of April the 14th, At 11.40 p.m., when the iceberg scraped the ship's starboard side, showering the decks with ice and ripping open six watertight compartments, and the sea began to pour in. On board that ship was John Harper with his daughter, Nana, who was six years old. John had just lost his wife. He was a widow, and he was on his way to the United States to go to Chicago to preach at Moody. He's coming for revival and when the ship started to sink he took his daughter Nana and he put her in one of the lifeboats they were going to let John get in the lifeboat because he's a widower but he put her in there and he said baby I got something I got to do and he looked in her eyes and he said I will see you again he bent down he kissed her and he said I'll see you again forgive me this I, I read it wrong I'll see you again someday after his daughter's in the lifeboat The testimony is that John Harper started walking up and down the decks of the Titanic. Women, children, and unsaved to the lifeboats. Women, children, and unsaved to the lifeboats. And then that boat went up, cracked, and 1,500 people fell into the waters. But the testimony is that that night, with 1,528 people in the water, John Harper had a life preserver. And he was swimming to people frantically, leading them to Jesus Christ as, the Lord, as their Lord and Savior before hypothermia would set in and become fatal. And Reverend Harper swam up to one young man who had climbed up on a piece of debris. And he said, young man, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? And the kid said, no. He said, let me lead you to him as your Lord and Savior. And the kid said, no, I don't want that. John Harper took off his life preserver and he said, here, you need this more than me. And the testimony is that John Harper died in the water and his last words were, women, children, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Unsaved, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be. The only reason we know that story today is because four years later at a survivor meeting, a young man stood up and he told the story. He said, I'm the man that John Harper gave the life preserver to, but he didn't just give me a life preserver. He gave me Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. May the Father forgive us for all of our foolish divisions and schisms and arguments. May the Lord forgive us for forgetting that it was all about preaching Jesus.